Welcome to Good Medicine Explained. I am your host, Dr. James R. Brown. This is episode number 18 for the week of October 11th, 2020. Thank you for taking the time to listen to my explanations of various health disorders and medical conditions. My goal is to provide you, the listener, with new insight and awareness of how our bodies function, how medical professionals identify and treat medical problems, and how a person such as yourself can cultivate a lifestyle and practice that can prevent or reduce these health problems. We are now just a little over three weeks away from the big national election on November 3rd, 2020. Aside from the presidency, Californians have a significant ballot measure regarding health care. It's called California Proposition 23, Dialysis Clinic Requirements Initiative. I have no intentions on discussing the pros and cons of this ballot measure, but instead I'm using this moment to address some of the issues and concerns that exist for persons who have end-stage kidney disease or chronic renal failure. According to an August 15, 2017 article in California Healthline, 139,000 Californians were utilizing dialysis clinics in the state of California. The article mentioned that the dialysis patients were also living longer because of particular advancements in the medical profession. One year of hemodialysis in the United States costs about $72,000 a year per patient. Peritoneal dialysis, which is another form of treating kidney failure, costs about $53,000 a year. When you add the cost of prescription medications to that, a hemodialysis patient is spending about $15,000 a year on medications, whereas a peritoneal dialysis patient is spending around $12,000 a year in medication prescription costs. If a person has had a kidney transplant, maintenance medication costs run almost $15,000 a year for kidney transplant patients. So one can plainly see that end-stage renal disease is a very costly and expensive form of medical care to provide. My goal in this episode is to try and help the listeners learn and appreciate how much our kidneys actually do for our health. The kidneys are amazing organs when you learn about them. Chronic kidney disease is the gradual loss of kidney function that has persisted for at least three months or more. Acute kidney disease is any time from now up to about three months. Our kidneys essentially function by filtering the water-soluble waste products that are circulating in our blood, and they remove excess fluids from our body, which can be excreted 
in the form of an end product we call urine. But not only that, our kidneys perform many other physiologic activities from maintaining the proper balance of salt and water and minerals to regulating our blood pressure to maintaining proper blood production and platelet cells. They also are involved in lipid and thyroid balance, to name a few others. Together, the kidneys clean approximately 200 quarts of blood every 24 hours, or about two quarts from the body in the form of urine, and they reserve 198 quarts of fluid after that urine has been excreted. So the kidneys do a tremendous job of reabsorbing our fluids and keeping us from becoming dehydrated. The diabolical fact about kidney disease is that initially a person may not have any symptoms. Gradually, as this condition progresses and a person approaches the end stage points of the problem, the only care that they can receive is artificial filtering, which is dialysis, or a kidney transplant. And so when we look at each kidney, a normal one is composed of about 1 million functioning units called nephrons. Nephrons are the filtering unit of the kidney. They're composed of tiny blood vessels called a glomerulus, which is in the outer cortex of the kidney. And these glomeruli are associated with thin tubules for fluid. So when blood flows into the kidney, it travels into progressively smaller and smaller arteries until they reach what are called arterioles. And the arteriole is the finest artery that enters the glomerulus. As blood is entering through the arteriole, it is forced out and filtered along with water and minerals, sodium, potassium, chloride, calcium, phosphorus, and other products are osmotically ex exchanged according to the body's needs at that moment, and the remaining waste products will continue along the tubule to become urine. When chronic kidney disease reaches the end stage, these water-soluble products are unable to be removed, and they accumulate and build up in the blood, producing a lot of symptoms such as seizures, comas, encephalopathy or abnormal thinking and uptunded uh, activity, and a lot of other neurologic and systemic problems. Now there are several medical conditions that contribute to chronic kidney failure. The major ones being hypertension, diabetes, obesity, nephrotoxic drugs such as ibuprofen, aspirin, and such. Some antibiotics can be nephrotoxic or harmful to the kidneys. 
Some infections, like streptococcal infections, can get into the kidneys and damage them, as well as other medications that interfere with the secretion of creatinine. Physicians typically use basic lab values to give us an impression of how well a person's kidneys and renal function are. In particular, the values that we look at most often include what are called the GFR, the glomerular filtration rate, the BUN, or blood urea nitrogen, and the creatinine. A fourth measure would be the albumin. Now, in the medical profession, there are two classification systems that are combined to help categorize chronic kidney disease. One uses the glomerular filtration rate, and the other uses the excretion rate of albumin, a protein. The severity of chronic kidney disease is based primarily on five different levels of glomerular filtration rate. Now, I don't expect anyone to memorize these. I'm just giving them out for a point of reference. In a normal person, stage one is any glomerular filtration rate of 90 milliliters per minute or greater. Stage two is 60 to 89 milliliters of blood cleaned per minute. And that essentially is the minimum for what we would consider normal. At stage 3A, your kidneys are only filtering about 45 to 59 milliliters of your blood per minute. Stage 3B would be as low as 30 to 44 milliliters per minute. Stage 4 is down to 15 to 29 milliliters of blood per minute. And remember, the minimum is 60. For anyone who is below 15 milliliters per minute of blood being cleaned, they're at stage 5, which is the end stage based on the glomerular filtration rate table. There's another table I told you about, which was called the filtration of albumin. And the actual uh, excretion rate of albumin, there's three stages for that. A1 has less than 30 milligrams of albumin per day dropping into the urine. A2 has 30 to 300 milligrams of albumin detected in a urine specimen in a day. And that's a moderately increased loss of albumin. The third stage is more than 300 milligrams of albumin, or this protein, spilling out and being lost from the body into the urine. So that's a second way we can identify 
the risk associated with chronic kidney disease. For normal circumstances, again, a person with normal kidneys are cleaning more than 90 milliliters of their blood per minute, and they have zero to no more than 30 milligrams of albumin spilling in their urine per day. Dialysis is usually initiated when the kidney function of a person declines to 15% or less of the normal capacity or slightly higher if they also have symptoms such as severe shortness of breath, fatigue, muscle cramps, or nausea and vomiting. In order for a person to receive dialysis, they have to set aside three to five hours for that treatment day. And most patients receive hemodialysis about three days a week. As mentioned earlier, there are several medications which are normally prescribed to help maintain normal balance of critical electrolytes like sodium, potassium, calcium, and phosphorus. Supplemental bicarbonate can also be used as a means of slowing the progression of a condition called acidosis or metabolic acidosis. So the general management of chronic kidney disease includes trying to reverse any causes that produce the kidney failure or prevent the progression of the renal disease and treat complications associated with the failure and adjust medications. So here are some of the complications. A person with hypertension needs to have their blood pressure properly lowered to healthy levels. Diabetics need to have their blood sugars brought down to normal values as well. Patients who suffer from moderate to severe musculoskeletal pains have to avoid taking anti-inflammatory medications like naproxen, ibuprofen, endomethacin, and other so-called NSAID, anti-inflammatory drugs. It's also recommended the patients do not consume too much protein and they follow a protein-restricted diet. Cigarette smoking, obviously, would be discouraged. When patients get severely sick and have nausea, vomiting, or diarrhea, they're also going to decrease their fluid volume. And the fluid volume loss can also provoke low blood pressure or hypotension. Another condition that develops from chronic kidney failure is excess phosphates. It's a common complication with chronic kidney disease. The excess phosphates are due to a reduction in the filtered load of phosphate that was presented to the kidneys. And the retention of these phosphates ultimately develops into what we call 
a secondary hyperparathyroidism where the body tries to compensate for the excess phosphates by secreting a hormone called parathyroid hormone. Parathyroid hormone will help remove some of the excess phosphate and also lower the serum calcium levels. So people with advanced kidney disease have to maintain a proper dietary consumption of phosphates, and they try to restrict phosphates, and they take sometimes medications called oral phosphate binders to help limit this secondary hyperparathyroidism. Another function of our kidneys is uh, involved in the production of vitamin D. Vitamin D is synthesized in the kidney in the form of what we call 1,25-dihydroxyvitamin-D, or calcitriol. Calcitriol is a precursor and active metabolite of vitamin D. And because of the tendency to have a retention of phosphate and high phosphate levels from kidney failure, calcitriol production becomes reduced, and therefore vitamin D production is low. A lot of patients that are in chronic renal failure cannot regulate or manage their fluid volumes, and sometimes they run into what we call fluid overload, and they become edematous and swollen. And for this condition, we treat them with what are called loop diuretics, like Lasix or furosemide. The kidneys are involved in the production of red blood cells, and anemia is a complication of chronic kidney disease. This anemic condition is due primarily to the reduced production of a hormone that the kidney secretes called erythropoietin. And this erythropoietin not only helps in stimulating red blood cell production, but it also helps in the longevity of your red blood cells, which typically should live about 90 days. Chronic kidney disease is also associated with a prolongation in the bleeding time due to impairing the cells that help form blood clots, called the platelets. And so, again, you have a malfunction of platelet production and uh, clotting, which promotes more bleeding. So persons with chronic renal failure have to have their platelet counts checked, their vitamin D levels, their B12, their folate concentrations, because they have to keep their iron stores in check and provide iron therapy if necessary for replacement. All chronic kidney disease patients also have to be evaluated and treated for an excessive level of serum triglycerides. We call that condition hypertriglyceridemia. These excess serum triglycerides that develop because the kidney is not functioning well 
can also lead to coronary artery disease from the excessive amounts of triglyceride in the circulation. Many people are concerned about the diet that a end-stage or chronic kidney failure patient has to follow, and they have to be very attentive to monitoring their protein intake, their minerals, their water, and how many calories they consume. So chronic kidney disease is a very uh, involved and detailed condition that we normally don't have to think about because our kidneys are doing all of this work for us automatically. The take-home message that I want to communicate is that chronic kidney disease is a complex and expensive disease to treat. If a person does have chronic kidney disease, they're not only faced with a large amount of their time helping to filter and clean their blood, maintain medications and electrolyte and uh, laboratory studies, but the physicians also have to interpret what's happening biochemically and make adjustments to help preserve kidney function. The only ways that we have today to treat end-stage renal disease or chronic kidney failure of advanced nature is dialysis, either in the form of hemodialysis, which is cleaning the blood, or peritoneal dialysis, which is an abdominal cleansing. If this particular topic or any of the previous episodes I've presented have provoked questions for you, be reassured that I do regular Q&As on my Instagram account at jrbrownmd, where you can submit your questions there through direct messages. However, I emphasize that I do not serve as a replacement or substitute for your own personal physicians, nor do I provide individualized consultations outside of my practice. I want to thank Lauren and Natalie, who assist in the production of this podcast. I greatly appreciate you too. I encourage everyone listening to get your annual flu shot if you haven't done so already. Remember, the symptoms of the annual flu are indistinguishable from the coronavirus symptoms, and you want to be part of a solution and not part of the problem. Finally, I want to repeat the concluding message that I've been giving after each episode for the last couple of months. Please vote. It is preferable that you go in person on November 3rd to cast your vote. If you prefer to use a mail-in ballot, please submit it early and confirm that it's been received by your county elections or voter registration office at least one to two weeks before November the 3rd. As of the time of this recording, there are currently 7.75 million Americans infected by coronavirus, 
and 214,000 Americans have died this year alone from it. There are still two and a half months remaining in 2020, and unfortunately, we're starting to see an upswing. America is a very sick and dysfunctional health care system. Your vote, added to millions of other people, will help determine the future course of health care in our country. Until our next opportunity, may you be happy, may you be healthy, may you be loved, and may you have a peaceful heart. Thank you.